Aren't you glad that we added that fifth stanza here at the start and got the gospel into that hymn? The previous four stanzas were basically law and threats and condemnation about the last day. And I joked with our organist, as I've joked before, even uh, though we're going to sing the final two gospel stanzas after communion, you never want to end a hymn and leave the worshipers in hell. And that's what would have happened if we hadn't added that fifth verse now. I mentioned last Sunday that these three Sundays of end time, I'm using those praises to God from Revelation 7. I almost got them memorized, but I, I got my cheat sheet in my Bible here. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The text for today's sermon is the continuation of what we're hearing from Matthew chapter 25 these three weeks. Today, the parable of the talents, but I almost didn't preach on this, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I know last week I mentioned we would be in Matthew 25 for three weeks, and I, I will preach on it next Sunday for sure, but this, this section is a challenge. This parable of the talents I felt more comfortable early on, maybe preaching on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know, Zephaniah shares uh, the threats of God's destruction on, on, on faithless people, especially the people of Judah and Jerusalem about 600 years before Jesus, with not a lot of hope there. Paul talks about uh, the, the times and seasons and being prepared. But he, he has that, that great line in there that God did not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him as that final judgment looms, uh, as you sang in the first four stanzas. Just a minute ago, we, we do have what that fifth stanza says that Christ has written our name in the book of life. His righteousness is, is our answer when we stand before the throne. But that theme of accountability before our Lord and Master is in Matthew 25. Again, keeping the, the theme of the introduction here, this, this parable has always seemed to me to be mostly law. I mean, it basically says we're accountable to God, right? And in the end, the point of that, that last servant is condemnation. In fact, the reading ends in this awkward way, cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
pastors know this is the weirdest time to then say, this is the gospel of the Lord. The good news of God in this parable? Well, it means this is the gospel reading of the Lord assigned for this day, but that's not good news, right? In this parable, at least at first glance, doesn't seem like good news. You and I are going to be held accountable for what God entrusted to us. Now, I do believe we need to import here what we'll hear next week, how it is the righteousness of Christ uh, uh, really before the world was created, established by God that, that accounts us righteous before the throne of God. And there is gospel in this parable. I decided to couch the sermon title this way, comparing the first two servants and the third servant as a parable about the haves and have-nots. And I don't mean that in the popular way that there are some people who are rich in our society and some people who are poor. No, I mean it in terms of God's perspective. There are some who have his gifts and others who do not have them. And the simple sermon outline will be a comparison list on the screens today looking at these, these two types of servants Indeed, there is gospel right at the start because all three servants are gifted. They're, they're given the resources of their master. One receives five talents, another two, another one. Now, a talent, by most accounts and reckonings, and that day was approximately 75 pounds of, of silver usually. So if you do the math with the price of silver last week, I, I looked up and may have changed today. At $24 an ounce, that means uh, $385 a pound times 75. One talent would be worth uh, uh, just over $28,000. So the one servant received about $28,000 of the master's resources. The, 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 the other received $86,000. And the one received almost $150,000 to use for his master. They, they, they were all given. God's gifts are showered upon the just and the unjust. The Bible says he is pouring his gifts to all. Such a gracious God he is. But what are those gifts? Again, trying to avoid uh, uh, finding symbolism where there may, may not be some intended. I, I know the word talent is used by us of our abilities, right? We talk about the talents God has given us. Even when people join the church, they, they pledge their, their prayers, time, talents, their, their spiritual gifts that God has given them. And that may be the application here because they are given uh, different amounts, each according to his ability. 
And the Bible in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, does say that God's spiritual gift, his gifts of grace, his uh, uh, talents for you to serve are, are different amongst us. That may make this parable's meaning different, by the way, than a similar parable, but definitely a, a different parable. In Luke 19, there is a parable Jesus told on a different occasion about servants given minas. I forgot to look up what a mina is before the sermon today. It's a unit of currency. And each was given the same amount. There, that may be not our talents and abilities that differ one from another, but grace given equally to all. In any case, God bestows his gifts, grace and forgiveness, won by Jesus Christ and his perfect life and death, his resurrection, and then the, the calling to serve him with all his resources, the point is, this, this, this master gives his servants, gives his servants his gifts. And that includes you. But here comes the difference. Two of the servants are active in using those gifts. And the other is not. In fact, I would venture to say beyond what the words say in the parable, he doesn't actually even receive the gift, right? I mean, sure, the master gave it to him, but immediately he took and he went and buried it. Never really had it in his possession to use, and the master reproves him at the very least. You could have used it by putting it in the bank, and I would have drawn interest. He never really received the gift of his master. The gifts are being poured out today through the word and the sacraments. Again, forgiveness of sins. The calling and resources to serve as we go forth. But there may be some who aren't even receiving. If you do receive, there is activity. In fact, even boldness. I think the return here is amazing. We don't know how long the master was gone in this parable, but they get a 100% return on their investments, which is good by any standard of time. They were bold to use the master's gifts, active. And so I pray, are you? I know sometimes we use church words, Bible words, and, and forget what they mean. Grace and forgiveness is, is the, the main gift always here. And we go forth bold to use it, to live before God. I'm a child, an heir of, of the Almighty. Nothing can separate you from his love as here's his dear child purchased with Christ's blood. You can be bold to witness and talk. It's not going to change your eternal salvation if you fail or are embarrassed. And you can take 
courage to, to be innovative in the, the, the way you live, different from the people of the world, active and using his gifts. I really believe in, in our day and age, like every day and age, we Christians have a special calling during the politics of this time, during the pandemic of this time, to be bold with hope and to say nothing has changed in the glory that awaits us. To be courageous, to share God's love to so many in our world, obviously, who don't know it. To use his gifts. And indeed, with one special attitude. Did you notice there is a, a, a clear difference between these servants? The, the, the third servant even describes himself, I was afraid. His relationship with his master was one of fear. And so many people see God that way because they're living only by the law, by what they do or don't do. But the other servants were invited to enter the joy of their master, to have his joy. We're going to talk in our Bible study today about whether that means the master's joy, and the Bible does talk that way about angels in heaven. Uh, indeed, God himself rejoicing at the repentance of just one sinner. Uh, God has joy over you. But also your joy, that gift, the fruit of the Spirit, that you have as you serve courageously, boldly with your master's gifts. It should be a characteristic of, of all servants of the living Savior that we go forth with a smile on our face, even especially in trying times. And indeed, with that joy to share with others. We have a gracious God. We'll hear more about that next week. But there's one more difference here. That third servant had what he really never had taken away from him. He never really had it. But the other servants had added to their resources. You know, we, we who follow Jesus don't live in a stagnant way with things staying the same. Every Sunday, his grace and gifts grow among us as we faithfully, boldly, joyfully share them. I found three verses. They're all at the start of 2 Corinthians that I think describe the difference between these servants. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 says, Such is the confidence we have through Christ toward God. Such is the confidence to use his gifts. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, We are very bold to have such hope as we use his gifts. And finally, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, we do not 
lose heart. Even though everything else is wasting away in this world, we do not lose heart. We are confident. We are bold because we are amongst those who have, 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 have God our Savior and His gifts. Amen.